I want to invite you to, to pray with me as we get started, okay? Jesus, more and more, I am in awe of who you are. I'm in awe of your patience with me, with us. I'm in awe of your simplicity and what you ask of us. I'm in awe of the way that you see us. And today, as we talk about faith, I pray that you would be in these words, maybe even saying things that I'm not saying. Holy Spirit, ask that you would talk to our hearts, that you'd maybe even loose us a little, that you'd free us, and that we would definitely receive from you. In your name, amen. All right, I, I made a, a little outline for you because I had five weeks. Uh, it's it's on the back of the program or it's it's on the app if you want to see it. The verses are written out um, and, and a couple things we're going to talk about. But if you've got a Bible or a device and you want to follow along, we're looking at John 20, verse 30 and 31. And I have the NRSV here. And this is where John is writing why he wrote the Gospel of John. And he said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. So here we see, if you've wondered, why did John write John? This is what he's saying. I wrote this book. I compiled these miracles and these stories. This is a chosen list put together because I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Because if you believe, then you will know life. You will have life in his name. And even this idea of in his name, I'm going to send you something mid midweek. It'll come in an email that's even flushing out a couple things that we're, we don't have time to flush out this morning. Frankly, because I think we'll just, it'll just be too much. Y'all could handle it, but it would just be too much. But there's something about in his name that is not just like saying a name, but it's much more than that. That in who Jesus is, there is life. And that life comes to us by believing. Now there's this, uh, there's this book. I'm in, I'm in seminary, I think. A lot of y'all know that. But there's this book when you go to seminary that a lot of people get. It's, it's called The Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospels. It's giant. costs like $10 million. And like four people read it. But I, I really like this book. So every time we come to a topic, I look up the topic in there. So this verse is about faith. I looked up faith and read there's like four pages on how Jesus describes faith and how the Gospels describe faith. And there's one quote in there that I want to read to you. It says that, the Greek word for faith, as a central Christian term, has no parallels in Greek religion. So in the religions of the time, in Greek religions, faith is not present. Faith is not a part of the religion. And this is really meaningful. Like we know now in today's world, in world religions, faith is a component of, of other religions. But at the time, in Greek religions, People's faith had nothing to do with it. Their works had everything to do with it. What they did, 
what they gave at the temple or at, at the uh, at the altar or you know they would go to different different gods places of worship and they would give grain or animals or money we've talked about this kind of thing over and over in the old testament and the new that this was what worship looked like how you sacrificed for your god how you appeased god is what mattered not what you believed that's why it was okay to go and worship six different gods by giving to six different gods because it didn't matter if you believed one was better what mattered is what you did and I say all of this because I think it's extremely important for us to realize that, that this Greek way of worship has kind of snuck into the church even 2,000 years later. And I want, I want to try to explain it in maybe this kind of weird way, but uh, try to stick with me. Y'all, y'all hear this milk crate challenge that's going around? This thing is terrifying. What it is is people take these piles of milk crates like this and and they stack them up but they don't go too high they go like seven eight high and then they walk up it and across it to to be on like snapchat or on tiktok and like people watch it and here's the scary thing people fall like the way it came to me, I, I don't follow any of those things. I'm, I'm not that trendy or cool. But it, it hit me on like the newspaper. You know, I'm like reading an actual newspaper. And somebody snapped their neck walking across milk crates with like 30 people watching and filming to, to get this like popular cool thing where like, look how, how good I am at walking on plastic. And, and this poor gentleman fell and snapped his neck and they're actually people are trying to talk to social media companies saying like ban these videos because so many people are being hurt like don't allow anyone to share it anymore because that's how it becomes popular is this dangerous thing of walking across these milk crates now i I sometimes struggle walking across this carpet here that's fairly uneven i can't walk on on milk crates so i'm not even going to pretend mike has these here just for looks But here's why I think this really matters for us. I think in the way that we have done church, some of what we've done is said, I believe in Jesus. And then we stack another belief on top. I believe that the Bible means this or that. I believe, and some of them are central to our faith. I believe that we are new in Christ. That's central to our faith. But some of the other things just aren't as central. They're just not essential. Some of the things that sneak into our belief are are maybe extra biblical or circumstances change them. We realize that our station in life or, or something like that is part of why that belief snuck in a temptation right now in in the u.s is is to equate the u.s with the promises of israel and and some of those kind of things and so we kind of can read the bible as this like we are the fulfillment right and that's an unshaky belief that that's that's not a steady belief and the danger of this is we can start to begin to see faithfulness on our end having faith is like, how much will I stand on? And it becomes a bit about us. And it becomes a bit about how great our faith is. 
And the dangerous thing is that is unsteady. Some of the things that were core to my belief when I first believed in Jesus, now I no longer believe. Some of them just aren't there. When I first came to Jesus, I thought that I was pretty good on my own. I don't think I am anymore. I'm I'm pretty sinful. Still to this day. At the same time, I thought that I, like that what God thought of me was that I was just horrible and and broken and sinful and all that. And I no longer, I don't think that's what God thinks of us. Yes, I'm, I'm sinful, but I think he sees me as his child. I think he sees me as beloved. And some of these things that were so foundational, some of the ways that I put trust in other people as part of my theology, and then when those people kind of toppled, when the pedestal I put them on didn't work, well, then my faith can crumble. You guys know what I'm talking about? I think this is how oftentimes we have seen faith. And, and, and we even come to a place then where faith is just that we cognitively agree with a statement. I agree that Jesus is Lord. Check. Put the milk crate down. I believe that we are new in Christ. Check. Put the milk crate down. And then we stand on these beliefs that we can articulate in words, but not in life and not in our heart. And I've, I've been in this place and I don't think that that's what faith looks like. I don't. Faith is more than just cognitive acceptance. Faith is full trust and surrender. Faith is not standing on a set of beliefs hoping that those won't crumble. I want to give us a different picture if you've at all been in that spot. Maybe think of planets and the sun. So I I spent a couple days just reading a little bit about how, because I was weirded out, like how come we keep going around the sun? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That seems weird to me. And, and it's not like we orbit in like this perfect little circle. All the planets orbit in this weird like oval, right? And that's why we have seasons and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, how, how do we stay in that? And you all are smarter than me, you know. But like it's the gravity of the sun that keeps us attracted in. And here's what I want to say about faith. And, and any... Any metaphor could break down at some point, right? But the way that I've been thinking about it the last month is with faith, we enter the orbit of Jesus' love. And everything then centers around him. And my faith is not so much about me and about how many things I believe in and how sturdy I am on top of those beliefs. But my faith is actually in the greatness of the gravity of Jesus. My faith is actually... In Him. It's not that I'm great. It's not that my beliefs are so solid. It's that Jesus doesn't change and His love draws me in over and over again. And it's not just for me. You see, left alone, faith can kind of 
it can be a little competitive thing. We can lose our track and start to feel like I've got this great faith and topple like in the milk crate challenge. First Corinthians 13. You're familiar with this, but says this, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I have all the faith, but no love, that's that's not real faith. That's not faith centered on Jesus. That's not faith in the gravity of Jesus because we know when we are when we are centered on Jesus and moving around Jesus that well the fruit of that is love, right? That there's love there. Galatians 5 says the only thing that counts is faith working through love. And if you're like me, you have oftentimes interpreted that as, oh, I need to have more faith and I need to have it better. And, and I'm realizing at this stage in my life, I'm realizing that does not mean I have more faith. That, that means that I trust Jesus more. And that is more faith in some ways, but it's not the milk crate kind of thing, right? It's not the I'm trying to stack up the things that I believe in the way that I can prove that. It's a way to say, no, Jesus is that great. Jesus is that faithful. He is that loving that I can trust that where I am today, what I am feeling today, that Jesus can handle me. That I'm secure with Jesus. That whether I'm in the close part of the orbit or the far part of the orbit, I can trust that the gravity of Jesus' love is still pulling me to himself. Does that make a little bit of sense? All right, let me tell you a couple implications. If faith is really that way, if our faith is really in the greatness of Jesus, not in our ability to believe and articulate a bunch of different things, there's a couple implications. And the first is that our speed matters. For a couple years, I've talked about this, right? We are moving too fast, church. Individually, in our lives, we're moving too fast. I know that the world tells us move even faster. You'll miss out. If if you slow down, you'll miss out on opportunities, your career, all of these kind of things. But no, we are moving too fast. The economy of God is slow. It's six days of work and a day of rest. It's delight. It's remembering. It's recognizing that God's at work. That God's faithful. And if we move too fast, we'll never see it. So I, I, I want to challenge you this week to think about this very thing and then go for a walk somewhere that's very familiar to you. Maybe somewhere on, on the route between your house and your job or your house and your favorite restaurant or something like that. Instead of driving it, unless you're on the freeway, Go for a little walk. Not super long. Do it during the day. You can't, you know, like be safe, but like go for a walk. Because when we walk and go slow, we notice things we never notice when we're going fast. And that's true on a walk, but that's also true if we give ourselves a day to slow down. If we want to see God's love and kindness, but we don't slow down, 
it's going to be very hard to see God's love and kindness. But if we slow down, and if we take a minute to ponder that, we might just see it. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about part of the reason we don't want to slow down is we're afraid of what's running after us, right? We're, we're afraid sometimes of the emotions. We're afraid of past trauma. We're afraid of a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm not saying that uh, you shouldn't be. I'm not saying those things aren't real. Maybe you need a spiritual director or a counselor or somebody to work this stuff through with. But I know that healing, I know that a whole life happens when we slow down. Not when we go faster. I know healing in a whole life happens when our faith is in Jesus, not when our faith is in more things and greater. That's where it happens. Okay, second thing. Second implication if we orbit around the gravity of Jesus' love is that there is room for day and night of faith. So about 500 years ago, within the Catholic Church, there, there became, be, this process began of trying to just name what is this that we go through. And for the last 500 years, parts of the church have, have gone through this. How come sometimes we feel so close to God and so close to people and so aware of God's love and so freely moving in that? And sometimes we feel so distant. So those times of being so close where we feel the love of God and the love of people. If you are there, and when you are there, I want to encourage you, rejoice. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. This is where we have evidence throughout the Old Testament. where We're to make altars of remembrance. We're to remember those days. I have a friend who collects a rock. From a place every time he feels close to God. He takes a rock, puts it in a fish tank. And he can tell story after story after story of the moments where he is close to God. It's beautiful. If you're in that space right now, remember it. Take some of that slow time to, to, to write it down. Don't let that pass without like examination. Without praise and celebration. That's the day, right? But sometimes there's a night to faith. Sometimes there's darkness. Sometimes we feel distant. Feel distant from God and then we just don't want to be with people. Not in like the introverted way, but in the like, life is dark kind of way. And that can happen from sin. Sin can cause that. If we're running in rebellion away from God, that can happen. But that's not the only way. Just because you're in a season that is dark doesn't necessarily mean there's sin. Examine, ask the Holy Spirit to search you. But also can be life circumstances and situations. It can be that you, you had a bit of a milk crate faith. And one of the crates crumbled. And you fell. Now you're reassembling. It can be that you lost your way or you're going too fast. It can sometimes be you need a nap. Sometimes we're just tired. You need a healthy meal. And so like eat some fruits and vegetables and take a nap. Sometimes it's a physical thing. But sometimes it's by invitation of God. It is a 
space that just feels distant. And you're okay. You're not outside of the reach of God's gravity. You're not outside of the reach of God's love. It's dark. It's hard. Saints before you have gone through similar seasons. But God still reaches out to you and that will end. The night does end at some point. There's no guarantee on on how to hasten that to make it end. There's no time frame that it ends, but it will end. And here's a couple just real simple things to remember. If you're in that season, don't make major life decisions. If you're in a season that is more dark, don't like move across the country to try to outrun the darkness. It, It doesn't really work. How many people like myself have tried it? It doesn't fix things. No, if you have to make a major life decision, go ahead and make it if you have to, but like you can't outrun it. But you can spend some time remembering when you were near. That's why you have the altars of remembrance. That's why you pick up the stone and put it in your fishbowl. You can, though it's hard, reach out to your sisters and brothers. And especially if they're healthy and not trying to fix you, just share. And sometimes being heard and known, it doesn't fix it all, but sometimes that helps. And you can, if nothing else, you can know that God isn't afraid of the dark. He's not. He's not afraid of what's in the dark. He can handle it. He hasn't left you. He promised he never would. And at least you can know that comfort. There's a third implication that I want to share with us here. And that is... If we're understanding faith as revolving around who Jesus is. And we get to deeper and deeper faith, not by believing in more things, but by more wholeheartedly believing in Jesus. Then there's room for nevertheless prayers. You know what I mean by that? Nevertheless kind of prayers. I'm just going to talk. Is it working? Okay, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to talk. We'll figure it out. Let let me read for you a nevertheless prayer. It's when Jesus is in the garden. Not the garden that we sang about earlier, but a garden nonetheless. And as readers and hearers of the Bible were to draw that parallel of the early garden and the garden that Jesus is in. The fact that they're both gardens is significant. It says that Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, when my my faith was more understood this way, 
a lot of the things I believed in were like, if I am good enough, Jesus and God will give me this or that. I'll get to experience this or that. And then when that didn't happen, when it didn't happen, my faith kind of crumbled. I thought love would fix everything as a parent. I didn't know any better. And then when my kids still went through pain, a big part of my faith crumbled. Because I had faith in that, that me loving would be enough. And it is, but it's more complicated than that. And everyone who was a parent before me knew that. But I didn't, I didn't catch on. It was if I live for Jesus, then I won't know hardship and pain. I don't know why I believed that. But I did. And these crates kind of fell over. But Jesus is enough. And in this orbit, it, it's okay. And I, I get into some dark times. That I feel real far from him, but I also have some real near times. And in the midst of that, I'm not having to hold on to my preferred circumstance as much as I once did. It's okay to have that preferred one. It's okay to say, hey, I would prefer this, Jesus. But nevertheless, my faith won't crumble if something else happens. I prefer this. But nevertheless, I trust you. I prefer that people that I love aren't sick, that my aunt's brain cancer is healed, that Anna can sleep. You know, the stuff you guys know, the stuff in your life. I prefer that the joys of house is refurbished really quickly, like miraculously quick, like this week, like in a video game. Just push a button, pay a dollar, and have it fixed. But nevertheless, I trust you, God. I remain in orbit, not because I'm grunting and working hard to be in orbit, but because your love is the gravity that keeps me here. And I can trust that, even when my faith feels weak. Even when I feel weak. Even when I have some tension inside. See, the nevertheless doesn't have to topple us. And I think if we view faith this way, and I think if we explore faith this way, then we get to a different level of understanding the psalmist. When the psalmist writes, even the darkness is not dark for you. There's nothing that can overcome our God. That I place my faith in. There's nothing that pulls us outside of the reach of God's love. And that, I put all my faith in. Even with my incorrect beliefs, my correct beliefs, my striving, my trying, all of that. Jesus is enough. And I hope... That provides some comfort for us. Because I know right now we're in a world that more of us feel 
further from each other, from God, more aware of the challenges going on around us. But Jesus is near. So we can slow down and trust him. Whether it's a day or night in our faith, it hasn't changed who Jesus is. And so there's room for us to be honest before God and trust God with our today and trust God with our tomorrow. So we're going to receive communion in just a moment. But before we do, I, I want to pause and then I want to pray over us and, and we'll receive that.